Welcome to Faith Fondue, a new podcast featuring author and speaker Haley DiMaria and teacher and blogger Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue will feature a melting pot of topics ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. It's the week of April 25th, the fourth week of Easter, and as we continue through this Easter season, we continue to share exciting news about our podcast. Good morning, Anne. Morning, Haley. Yes, this is season two, episode two. And as we talk about the flame and what's hot this week, we do have exciting news. So for our listeners from last week, we talked about where they can find our podcast. And I love that you referenced that purple icon on uh, the iPhone, Haley, because that is super helpful for me. You know, there's several icons on my iPhone, but that's the one where you go for any sort of podcast. So for folks who want an easy access to Faith Fondue, just type in the name of our podcast into that little search bar and it will come right up. Uh, both seasons are available, but there's also another place. Um, and I'm going to turn it back to you, the the artist, the creator, the maestro behind it. Oh, I wouldn't say that, um, but I... I... <laughs> I have found a great online tool that is very helpful. So we are excited to announce that, yeah, not only, you know, iTunes and Apple podcasts um, and on our iPhones, but you can also find all of our podcasts housed on our new website, uh, faithfondue.com. So you can just type that in or you can do www.faithfondue.com. Um, and go check it out. We again have season one, season two. There's a little bit more about Ann and I. Um, so it's kind of fun. We'll keep adding things to the website. So check that out. Let us know what you think. And, uh, hopefully this will be a meaningful way for, for all, you know, different levels of, um, tech savvy people to be able to, to listen to our podcast. So faithfondue.com. Okay. Anne, here's what listeners really want to know. Did you run into your neighbor this week? (laughs) Okay. So I I have to admit, I did think about you know, the possibility of running into said neighbor. This was on episode one of season two for folks who may not have caught it last week. The story is there. Now, I didn't, Haley. And the reason for that is very understandable. I was house sitting in Menlo Park, California. Okay, Um, if we're going to talk about beautiful places in the United States, let alone California, Menlo Park should be included into this place. It has just incredible oak trees, the natural beauty. It's like, what's it like waking up here every day? (laughs) Um, Menlo Park is much warmer than San Francisco. It really feels like spring there. You have a little bit of the fog to a certain degree, but oh, it's just, it was so nice. So my JV coach loves to travel. His season ended, the girls, JV girls ended. He traveled for three weeks and it's very close to school. So it was such a treat to get out of the city. And I wanna just give a shout out to city dwellers. Now, I don't I don't know the size of Annapolis and I'm curious to hear about that in a minute, but San Francisco, anyone who has lived in an urban setting we talk about the grind city life is just hard it's just it does it wears you down because of the noise and the crowds i mean i i walk up three flights of stairs i'm constantly looking for parking it is exhausting sometimes the muni lines the you know we have a lot of street people 
So it's just nice to be in the burbs, you know, and under the oak tree. It doesn't necessarily look like spring in the city. Now, the only thing I would say to this is the other side of that coin is the pride that people take when they are city dwellers, like kind of this, I'm tough, I'm resilient, because you kind of have to be. And, you know, when the Giants won the World Series, I was kind of like, there's like an ownership. It's like, yeah, I live in the city. And I've always hated arrogance from people about city living. I didn't grow up in the city, but my mom did. And, you know, somebody would say, oh, do you live in San Francisco? And they'd be like, well, do you really know San Francisco? And it's like, who's the arbiter of this? And I'd be like, yes, I do. Or no, I don't. But now I kind of see it because when you've committed to this place where there are a lot of problems, and again, it's it's just, there's always something noisy, loud, whatever, then you, you feel territorial about it. So it's kind of an interesting experience to step outside for a few weeks. I'm back in, I'm back on Fillmore Street. So trying to embrace the grit. <laughs> but um, in the meantime, I did not, I mean, in between then and now, I did not see my neighbor. So that's another aspect of living in any place, whether it's a city or not. Um, so I don't know if that resonates with you or not, Haley, but. So, you know, it does because I, um, you know, growing up in Arizona, growing up in Phoenix, Phoenix is a pretty big city, you know, not when I was growing up, um, but it is now it's, you know, I think it's the fifth or sixth largest city in the country, but I don't consider it a city like San Francisco, right? Or like New York. Um, but I grew up with a mom who was from New York. Um, now she was from Long Island, but she considers herself a New Yorker. And my aunt, her sister has lived in New York city in, in, in the city, um, you know, right in Manhattan for she's 80, almost 85. I bet she's been there over 60 years easily, probably 65 years. Um, and she will live and die in New York city. Um, and, and there I get that, right. You know, I, I get it. There are people for whom living in a city, they, they are from the city, um, and they're not going to, so they're not going to move. Um, now it's interesting here in Annapolis, you know, it is the capital of Maryland, um, but it's a pretty small town, you know, for being a capital city. It's uh, about 45,000 people. Um, but it's a, a, it's kind of a microcosm of a city. You know, we have a lot of wealth. We have a lot of poverty, a lot of title one housing, um, title nine housing, title one schools. I think that's the rules of the right numbers. Um, a lot of, um, kind of a lot of the, the, the crime and, and unsettledness that you would find in a city. So kind of this, this microcosm of a, in a very small town. But one thing we are seeing here is uh, people leaving the cities and, you know, coming to a place like Annapolis or the surrounding areas that are more suburban. Um, because so much of what people love, love about living in a city is going to the museums, going to great restaurants, going to the theater. Um, and a lot of that we haven't been able to do. So if you are living, let's say, for example, in D.C., and you're familiar with D.C., you know, it's not inexpensive, um, just like San Francisco. It's a very expensive place to live, um, and you're not living in a very big dwelling. Um, so if you're living in a very small, very expensive um, apartment, flat, townhome, whatever it may be, and you can't go to the restaurants or the museums or, you know, the monuments or anything that, that is, makes it, it makes it worth living in a city. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of reevaluating that. Um, so I get it. Um, I, you know, 
Jamie, neither Jamie nor I have ever lived in a big city. Um, but I think it's something we might do kind of post kids is, is go back to a place where we could walk and, um, you know, not always get in a car. So yeah. we're the reverse. Well, I think, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, walk exactly in just different transportation options that are always unique to a city, whether it's the subway in New York or here, you know, we have BART slash Muni, but part of that, what you just talked about in light of COVID is, I think part of any city is there's an expiration date for a lot of people. And so for this event, you know, COVID prompted people to leave. And then that just makes those true city dwellers that much more, again, point of pride or San Francisco's always had, you know, we're the gold rush. We are earthquake. You know, we were the dot-com bust. We have a history of San Franciscans and toughing it out and staking their claims. So the history is, the next chapter is being written right now. I'm, I'm still in it. And uh, yeah, my students know it's a point of pride. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how the story continues. Yeah, no, that is interesting, actually. You're right, because um, true city dwellers like my aunt um, would never even think about leaving. Right, and probably look at, you know, the, the pseudo city dwellers as copping out. Yeah, and be like, Yep. Yeah. Close the door on your way out. Good. <laughs> oh, I hadn't thought about so, that. So yeah. let's yeah. move on to our spiritual stew. Um, so it's interesting this week in the gospel, there were kind of two themes that I read about or that we both read about. Right. And it, it's interesting. I kind of picked up on one and you picked up on the other one. But, you know, what I one of the things I saw in this in the gospel this week is there's a lot of talk about believing. Um, and, you know, in particular, in Tuesday's gospel, we hear in John 10, um, the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered to them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works I do in my father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. So we've discussed before how faith is something Faith is believing in something that you cannot see. Um, and I, you know, I really think that that's, um, you know, pretty, pretty foundational to anything, right? Whether you believe in Santa Claus, you can't really see him, whether we believe in God, whether we believe in Jesus. Um, but, you know, when you think of in biblical times, and I actually think about this a lot, you know, they saw Jesus um, and they didn't believe him. And I, I keep thinking, you know, if Jesus showed up in my day-to-day yeah. life, you know, and I saw right. him, would I believe it was him? Yeah. If there was someone yep. who was claiming to be, yep. you know, the God, Messiah, the right, right. How would I feel? And, you know, there's that, that, you know, that real common saying, seeing is believing, or, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, but I don't, sure. I don't know if that's so true when it comes to our faith. Um, no. Cause there are so many references in the Bible of people who don't, who see and, and still don't believe. And yet there's millions and millions and millions of people over the course of the past 2000 years who haven't seen um, and believed. So later this week, um, also in John, we hear, you know, believe me that I am the father and the father is in me or else believe because of the works themselves. Amen. Amen. I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. So this really struck me and and stuck out to me as well because I kind of think this is our answer right this is our roadmap we we can't see God right you know we can choose to see 
him in other people. We can choose to see, you know, the image of him in others as we should. Um, but, but for the most part, uh, during our earthly time, we are not going to see a person that is, you know, God the Father or Jesus. Um, but what we can see are the good works that are done. Do you know? We always talk about. I hope I'm doing, you know, God's work. Or people will say, you know, you're an instrument of His work. Right? That that is believing. Um, you know, to me, that's believing. The you know, the or else believe because of the works themselves. Um, you know that that really that really spoke to me um, because that's really pretty fundamental to how I try to live my life. Is am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, am I doing the work that God asks me to do or wants me to do or what does he want me to do? You know, I'm constantly asking myself that. So um, I think it's those that that or else, you know, if you can't see me, then, you know, or else, you know, believe in the works that I do. So a lot to think about there. I, yeah, I, you know, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about like the fruits, like I, I often speak about the fruits of our labor or, you know, in the spiritual life, there's the spiritual gifts, but then like, you know, um, the fruit of the spirit, like what's the result? And I think that that helps with belief, the, the evidence, the outcome, so to speak. But I, I, I don't know if we've talked about, you know, the difference between like sight and vision and just the, you know, you can see, and I really appreciate how you said, you know, just, it, it must've been hard. Like here we are speaking later with this belief in Christ, but to put yourself in the scripture at this point in time to consider what would I have believed, you know, that you are in the very presence of the Lord. Would I have believed, you know, that's a great question to ask ourselves. And just because they saw it, does it mean that they understood? And I always think that's kind of the distinction between sight and vision. You, you can see something, but vision is kind of like a deeper understanding. And I think it's really a beautiful way to think about our life in faith, um, to, to try to have that vision. And this is, you know, obviously a huge part of sports. So I would talk a lot about this in sports and spirituality is like, there's no sport where you don't have to have sight. Like you're, you're trained to keep your eye on the ball or, you know, watch X, Y, Z. But, you know, to have vision is to understand how that, you know, results in the outcome of what you're trying to achieve. And I think that's helpful for our own lives. You know, what are we looking at? Are we looking at the fruits, the, the works? And what do we do with that? Right. That's actually a great analogy, especially for those of us that love sport, right? Because... Um, even in a sport, there's a difference between seeing and then, you know, that vision that you're talking about, which is really understanding what that sight means and how, you know, you focus on it. So, you know, for example, as a swimmer, I can see the bottom, you know, the black line at the bottom of the pool, or if I'm swimming backstroke, I can see the flags yeah, or, right. but I'm not looking at that. I'm not staring at that black line, you know, while I'm swimming. I am. But that's not what my focus is on, right? My focus is on yeah, the whole right. experience and and what it means. And I know when I get to the T, you know, I'm getting ready to do my flip turn on that black line. But um, and I'm probably not articulating myself very well, so I'm going to have to chew on this a bit. But um, yeah, there is a different. I, I appreciate that analogy. You know, there's a difference between what we yeah. see, but also the vision of what it yeah. actually means. Sure. Well, yeah, and you know, part of our stew is that we are supposed to chew on it. So I love, <laughs> I love that, you know, tie back, but 
You know, here in San Francisco, we have a little bit of a quarterback controversy. The, the draft is coming up this week. So NFL fans, especially Niner fans, are dying to know who we're going to draft. And they have it on tape. They said that Jimmy Garoppolo sees, for some reason, he is not seeing open receivers. So he has the ability to see, but he's not seeing them. So if you want to push that a little further, like the vision, like his vision of the field, and it's a liability. Right. And then I also think in sports about the different ways that we see. So I think of like a no look pass, like the point of a no look pass is you actually are fooling your defender because you are looking at something, but you obviously are aware of a teammate somewhere else. And so you're able to execute the pass or, I mean, my poor boss probably hates my overuse of my analogy, but reading the greens, like people read the green with their feet. It's so interesting, like caddies or golfers feel the green. And um, Dustin Johnson's brother does it, Austin. You can watch him. He does this kind of stance. And it's just, to me, I love it. I love doing that now. It's just so empowering because it's just a different way of seeing. So, uh, you know, whether that's sports, whether that's in our life of faith, however, it helps us to kind of, you're talking about to believe, which I think your whole point about it must have been hard. I mean, to make sense of this person. And it's hard today to make sense of Jesus. Well, and I also think that um, that resonates because, you know, we're so, we're human, right? So we are so oftentimes linear in our thinking, right? So we see things, we hear things, we smell things, but very often, very rarely are we doing that all together, right? So, you know, I work in an elementary school, so I've got little kids in my school and, you know, we always talk about active listening. You know, what I hear Mm. you talking about is active sight, right? Like not just seeing, Mm -hmm. but like active sight, bringing in all those other senses. So, you know, active listening is not just listening with your ears. You know, it's listening with your Mm -hmm. eyes. It's listening with your body language. Um, And and I I think that, you know, that's a great way to, you know, imagine our faith as well, right? We just don't believe because we believe. We have to have all of our senses you know, coming together yeah. to, to have faith, right? And maybe that's the difference there or something to think about. So speaking of smelling, yeah. well, that's- <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about True. senses earlier and, um, you know, the other yes. theme that, that came up in a lot of the gospel this week um, was the shepherd. Yes. So Haley's uh, making a joke because Pope Francis use the gospel of the good shepherd and he told in particular the bishops so this is a targeted message and priests that a shepherd ought to smell like sheep and the way that a shepherd smells like sheep is you spend a lot of time with them and he's saying this you know today's world most of us i'll speak for myself haven't really interacted with sheep i haven't tended them I, you know, have family in Ireland, so there's certainly a lot of sheep and they were so cute and I would, you know, enjoy seeing them, but I don't have any visceral memory like or experience of working with sheep. But in Jesus's time and, you know, this area of Palestine, the Middle East, there would have hillsides and tons of sheep. So you smell like sheep when you you spend time with your flock and the flock are us, the people, right? The community, the people of God. And I, you know, it, it was a challenge and I, I don't think it was meant to be a criticism. People can take it that way. It was a challenge and a reminder that it's 
a lot of priests or bishops, excuse me, bishops in particular, are not spending the time that they need. It's kind of that boots on the ground mentality. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true, like as a teenage, you know, as I work with high school teenagers, like it is essential that I, you know, all teachers participate in an activity outside of the classroom, whether it's a club or they're coaching or taking kids on service, because that's where you get to know, you know, students so we too need to smell like sheep and today's gospel john's gospel was the good shepherd and i love the you know he repeats it says i am the good shepherd a good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep and then the next paragraph i am the good shepherd i know mine and mine know me so it's talking about that relationship that is cultivated i know mine mine know me and and you're so precious to me that I would give my life for you, which is the Easter message. He did ultimately give his life for us. He is the Paschal Lamb, right? He is, yeah, the promise of new age, so. You know, and it's interesting, you know, thinking about, um, you know, just being a teacher in a, in a school, but then, you know, the outreach and the, the different relationship that you have with your students outside the classroom, right? So in the classroom, you're the teacher, right? Jesus is our teacher. But, you know, the I know mine and mine know me that we hear in the gospel today, um, you know, you, you, teach a, a, you teach a religion class, right? So you really can get more personal in the classroom where your students probably do know you and, and you know them. Um, but but so much of what makes a great teacher is 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 that relationship building that sometimes can't happen in the classroom, right? So, you know, maybe it's harder to do if you're teaching math or, or physics or engineering or even Spanish or you know a language. But um, and how critical it is, you know, especially in your role for let's say as a coach, you know, you you can't just coach and and be you know the teacher of the sport. You really have to connect with them in a way that they trust you. Um, and build that relationship and I you know and that's and that goes beyond the profession of teaching right it's really anything that we do um, any career that we have whether it's the business world whether it's nonprofit whether it's an education um, you know it, when we when we get to know other people um, and they know that they can trust us and we know them um, and that probably comes from seeing them active vision as well as active listening and getting to know one another, um, I really do think that that's doing God's work. Yeah. Well, you know, as you were talking about active listening and vision and whatnot, I was thinking, you know, we are incarnational people. And that is, so you're talking about being with someone, showing up, spending time in person with them. And obviously this year has been different and it's been a challenge, but you know, this is the smallest thing, but it happened in class and it was one of the more important things. I, I might have mentioned something a couple weeks ago, students clapped and I was thrilled, you know, that hadn't happened. But this girl cocked her head. I made a statement, she cocked her head and I said, Ella, what are you thinking? And then she was able to share because we're, you know, it's an ethics class and presenting some ideas. It was great. I mean, it was the subtle body language. It was the invitation by which to say, I want to know what you're thinking. And that just, you could do it on Zoom, but it's just, it's very different. So that in-person experience of vision, I had a vision for a moment that, that time there, Haley. There's a lot of things I'm choosing not to see in class, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> when they're, you know, texting or whatever it might be, but that was a good moment. So, 
Well, you know, Anne, that is just um, modeling behavior that you would like for yourself, right? I mean, how how many things do we do that we, we hope God didn't see? Um, and of course he did, but um, thank goodness that he chooses to look. <laughs> that he chooses, right. yeah, he chooses to look the other way as well. So what about yeah. our takeaways for this week? Um, I, um, I'm going to... I'm going to, to listen and I am going to see, um, and I'm going to try to do it in a way, um, you know, like the good shepherd where I will know, get to know the people that I'm with and hopefully they'll get to know me about a little better. It is interesting. This might come as a surprise to people. I don't like talking about myself. Um, I don't necessarily like sharing parts of my own life. I rarely do it um, out, outside of, you know, kind of close circles, close friends, this podcast. Yeah. And then of course I give talks, right? I mean, in many ways, my life is literally an open book. Um, but there's, yeah. there's some things that I, I just, I don't, you know, I, I can, I have a very, um, there's parts of my life I'm very open and willing to share. And then there's, you know, a lot yeah. that I don't. Um, and so I need to work on that because um, if I want to have those connections and I want people to share with me, I need to do the same. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking just, you know, in my mind, kind of just personally, you know, where I work, you know, with certain friends, um, that's something that I need to work on is, is just being more open to sharing. Yeah, that's so interesting. Cause I think Haley, I think those are wise. I mean, that's wise. Um, just the way you are to me seems wise because I feel like today's society is so much about the overshare. <laughs> I don't know if you feel that way. It's the overshare. So many people apologize for it in advance and yet they still overshare. So if we, so we're doing virtue in my ethics class right now. And for Aristotle, virtue is always the mean. So there's an excess and there's a deficiency. So I would, if I was assessing you and that'd be an interesting, you know, you're kind of talking about, I don't know, sharing of self, personal revelation, you know, for what purpose? Because you're trying to connect with people, maybe, I don't, you know, I, I should let you speak for what that is, but yeah, there's people that are sharing too much. And from what I'm hearing you say, you feel like you maybe aren't sharing enough but it seems like you have shared because you have written your story. You do share it, but it's an unfolding choice that we all make, I suppose. Yeah. Stay tuned. And I'm with you on the overshare. I just, um, I have a high school classmate, um, who does live in San Francisco. She, um, you know, I don't know very well. We've just kind of connected on Facebook like a lot of us have. And boy, she had a super interesting post I read today about her niece who is 10 years old, who she hasn't seen in over a year because of the pandemic. But she watches her niece's TikTok videos that she posts three to ten times a day. And if she, and if this if the aunt, my my classmate, hasn't commented on these TikTok posts in a few days, then her niece texts her to make sure she's watched them. And the whole point of this post was to tell us how excited she is that she's finally getting to go see her niece that she's been watching on TikTok for the last year. And she can't wait to go see her in person in two weeks. And all I could think of is, oh my gosh, this 10-year-old girl is posting on TikTok 
up to 10 times a day. Yeah. That's an overshare. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so much. I to another domain. Haley, I hadn't even thought of that. I mean, because... there's so much to talk yeah. about there that I don't even want to. Oh, oh my goodness. And I mean, I, I please no, I, I have overshared. I, I mean, I, you know, sometimes details cause I, you know, love telling a good story, but there are some details. It's just like, you can't take it back. So I, I don't mean to be critical, but yes, that's a new way of thinking of the overshare. That's super interesting. Well, I was waiting for this whole like revelation moment. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> nope. It's I just... was like, Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Maybe she'll be, yeah. I mean, there's future in TikTok somehow. Mm. Um, Yes. <laughs> okay. My takeaway is related to the virtue and vice piece. So I love when things that we've talked about kind of circle back. So a couple of things, I will share the artwork. Her name is Sister Carita Kent. Now she left the IHM's Immaculate Heart of Mary order. So she's known as Carita Kent and her name was Mary Carita. Carita is a reference to little heart. What a great, be- what a beautiful name, I like even it. an artistic name, right? So this is in Los Angeles. She grew up working poor. She joined this religious community. She was always with them and very close to this community till her death. Her artwork is serigraph. It's like silk screening. So um, very affordable. She didn't number her serigraphs because she wanted people to have access to them. She didn't want you know them to kind of, but they've taken off after her life and all the money goes to the IHMs. Now, fun fact, I took a silkscreen class at Notre Dame and it was awesome. I loved it. It's not artwork for t-shirts, okay? It's <laughs> printing. So at any rate, one of her influences was Andy Warhol. Now, Andy Warhol was also Catholic and known for obviously pop art, Campbell Soup, Marilyn Monroe, but there's direct correlation and they were friends. But he did a painting of Da Vinci's The Last Supper. He did a print, excuse me. And so it's the Last Supper and it has these color blocks. So we'll share that. And it's, I don't know what to make of it. And that's the point is it's there for us to chew on. So we could have had that in the stew, but we'll chew on it this week. Mm -hmm. But it reminded me of our conversation, Stanley Tucci, you know, Milan, your experience of seeing the Last Supper, how he didn't mention it. The guy who cuts my hair is from Milan. So I got to talk to him about, you know, Leonardo da Vinci's work. At any rate, Matthew Kelly, who I speak about quite a bit, one of my kind of spiritual heroes, tells the story about Leonardo da Vinci. It took him seven years to paint it. I didn't know that. I think I did know that everyone in the painting is an actual person. So he went to the streets of Milan and he carefully chose someone to be Jesus and then someone to be the 12 apostles. Now he really struggled for Judas. He was not able to find someone to be Judas. He looked, and again, he's painting. I think he did Jesus first because he's in the center and whatnot. So he goes to a Roman prison to find someone who's going to look like a hardened criminal who would have kind of the vices of betrayal, whatever that would look like. And he gets, you know, this man to be, they allow him. He's been convicted of murder and again, a hardened criminal sentence for life and he is playing Judas for the painting and he kept looking at Da Vinci and Da Vinci would just paint him but there was some energy it was definitely unsettling you could tell for this convict to be in this role and then when the painting was finished he said you know master he called him master because he was this incredible painter you know 
don't you remember me? And he said, what are you talking about? He's like, have you seen me before? And he said, I've never seen you before. I came to this prison to find you. No, and he said, no, master, I was the Christ in your painting. It was the same person four years later. Oh my gosh. And she committed this crime. Now it's not that Jesus could, could murder because Jesus, you know, was God. And we, you know, know from the gospels that he loved and, you know, was without sin. Anyways, the point of it for the story, according to Matthew Kelly is like, we have in us virtue and we have vice. We have the best qualities of loving, kindness, compassion, sympathy, empathy, trustworthiness, but we have the ability to choose evil as well. And the person who betrays, who takes even another person's life is a human being as well. They have virtue, but they also have vice. So it's really an invitation to think about in our own selves, you know, what are our virtues? And we have many, and also what are our vices that we're working on? So sometimes it just helps to name them, you know, like say students, mm -hmm. you know, are you honest? And, you know, again, if it's always in a mean, you know, to be overly honest isn't what we're asking for. It's kind of like truthful, honest, right? But um, quite the story when I heard it, I was yeah. like, oh. I love that. And I, and yeah. I, it, it, it speaks perfectly, I think, you know, for our takeaway, because who it, it's the choice we have when we choose to believe, right? Believing is a choice. We either believe or yeah. we don't, because we can't see, you know, we're not going to be yeah. able to see. Um, so it's the choice we have every week, really every day, you know, who, who, what do we want to focus on ourselves? Do we want to choose to focus on our virtues and to, um, allow, you know, kind of God to grow, have us grow through those or are our vices, are we going to allow our vices to get the best of us? Um, because that can very easily happen too, easily, right? Every day, you know, I may yeah. wake, wake up with all these good intentions and by the end of the day, it's like, whoa, okay, that didn't go so well. Um, you know, and, and those are the moments that we hope maybe, you know, like you as the teacher in the classroom, you know, Jesus, the teacher is looking the other way. Um, but that's a great takeaway. That's probably the ultimate takeaway, not only for the week, but just for us in life is, um, you know, are we going to choose to focus on our virtues and nurture those? Or are we going to choose to focus on our vices? Um, well, you know, just to step in, because you always give me credit as a teacher, I would say, you know, not just you as a parent, but I also think about in my own life, my friends' parents had such an impact on me. So yes, obviously, you know, me doing this with my students, but I want just to affirm you with, you know, your sons, James and Edward, but also their friends, because I, you know, in talking to you, I get to know about their friends are here, a longtime friend. And it's like, you know, we're not in isolation. We are, you know, brothers and sisters, Christian community, and we, I kind of resist that it takes a village, but there is, you know, obviously some wisdom in it because the other parents have obviously impacted me as well. Well, for sure. And I will tell you, Anne, you know, part of my um, lack of sharing my life with others is, is quite honestly, um, you know, me not always wanting to share my vices, right? And, um, you know, to kind of have to acknowledge that side of me. Um, so that's a great thing for me to take away as well, right? Like I'm very, 
I, you know, I, I will share, you know, the, the good that I try to do in my life, um, you know, when asked and when appropriate, I, you know, I try not to too much, but I really don't like to share the, the vices. Um, but I think that's important because I think, um, you know, again, this is a hard time and an extraordinary time. And I know when you and I were talking earlier about what our takeaways were, my, my takeaway for this week was to just get through the week. Um, and, and you know what, sometimes that's all it has to be. And, um, and if I can keep those vices at bay, that's a win too. You know, maybe my virtues don't have to come through, but boy, sometimes just getting through the week is, is enough. So, um, if that's all for that, yes, we're still in it, you know, and it was a relief for me to hear that. And I think it helps other people to hear that because we are, we're still in it. And I think our own vices, they confound us sometimes you know it's hard to see our limitations it's hard to just sometimes it's like otherworldly it's like what was that (laughs) and so I like the the intentional kind of reflection on it because we know things build over time and um and then they become too much for us yeah so Those are great takeaways for us. If all you can do is get through the week, just get through the week. Um, And we hope you'll join us next week too. And if you have the energy to to focus on those vices, then we will celebrate that too. But Anne, I always enjoy our time together. And um, we look forward to to next week. Again, check out faithfondue.com and look for us on iTunes. Uh, Download, subscribe, and keep on listening. Have a great week.